Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, wherein two early 40s curmudgeons stare down the prospect of their rapidly impending entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, Noah Tarno of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular, and once again sitting right next to me. This is Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises. And this is a weirdly special episode of I Don't Get It. <laughs> uh, we are together again. We are currently gazing out across the Grand Canyon. We are on the south rim of the Grand Canyon. Yes, indeed. And if you are a, a specific uh, ge geography marker. It's a tough word, I know, geography. We are sitting in the amphitheater on the south rim, uh, not too far from Mather Point, uh, not too far from the Visitor Center. And this is our yes. first time here for both of us. Yeah, we so we, we're on a little vacation here. I had some business down here, and Bill said, well, why don't I come out and join you? Because uh, I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. He'd never been to the Grand Canyon. Here we are. And we're like, you know what? While we're there, let's record an episode. So, I humped these recording equipment all the way across the country. Yes, yeah, our massive rig. And I've been driving with this damn thing all yeah, over the place. You, you, you hooked our portable green room behind your <laughs> tractor trailer truck. Woofers and tweeters. Yeah, and all that nonsense. Rig lights, people things welded to the ground. The, the, the wonders of high technology. And I tell you folks, I first time both in the Grand Canyon, neither of us ever been here. And I always heard it's one of the few sights in life that does not disappoint. And that is true. This thing is unreal. You'd be a fool to say that this was somehow disappointing because this is, uh, yeah, the, the, the majesty of nature. And I know I'm just, I'm like waiting for the for sale signs to go up across yeah. the canyon here and sell these uh, to the oil and petrochemical companies. Well, so. actually, you know, we, we got here, we're sitting down. And of course, there are other people around. Other people, you know, looking and taking photos and taking selfies. And we're like, you know, if we really need the space, we should just yell and scream that the Grand Canyon is closed. It's been sold to Monsanto, and, you know, they're going to start filling it with uh, chemical waste in so, the next 10 minutes, so get the hell out. So, Noah, this is a very special occasion. Yeah. What is our topic this week? What okay. are we talking about? Well, we're like, what would be appropriate to the Grand Canyon for, like, something <laughs> new in pop culture that we don't understand? And we came up with nothing, so we said, let's just do something that has no relevance to the Grand Canyon whatsoever. So we are looking at, uh, recently started its second season on Netflix, the television program American Vandal. American Vandal, yes. Now, uh, we are grossly unprepared. Uh, we've both seen quite a bit of American Vandal. You've I've, seen I've every episode. I've finished Both it, yeah. seasons. Yeah. I saw all of season one, and I'm, I'm about halfway through season two. So in that regard, we're very well prepared. How we are unprepared is to like jot down some notes beforehand so we could give you guys all the background, who created it, when they did it, how they did it, blah, blah, blah. So we were going to like look it up on the internet when we were eating lunch in the Grand Canyon Park about an hour ago. And we couldn't get a Wi-Fi signal, so we're gonna half-ass this, as yeah, we always do. It's okay. I think I think we still uh, know enough about it. And what I'm assuming is that uh, a lot of our listeners have a pretty uh, basic grounding of what this is. I maybe think. they do, maybe they don't. I huh? feel like there's been a lot of good scuttlebutt about this piece. A lot of good regard out there from people who watch TV. Those who know made sure that they just didn't let this get you know lost in the slush pile of Netflix bullshit. That this was actually right. picked up because tastemakers recommended it as such. So season one debuted last year, 17 or 16. Last 17. 17, okay. And it was 10 episodes? 12? 8. Ten? Eight. <laughs> wow. Eight half, eight half hour episodes. The, the conceit of the show is it's a parody of, you know, like forensic investigation TV shows, specifically making a murderer. Yeah. Making another, a murderer, making Netflix, of a murderer. Another Netflix property. Making to a murderer, making with making a, murderer. a murderer. Making a murderer, thank you. The heavy investigation, the cliffhanger endings, the talking head interviews, they made, they want to make a parody of it. And as with good parodies, good satire, I forget the exact distinction, uh, they really kind of hew to the form. And the plot of season one is the guys making this are these high school students 
and one, this meathead kid at their high school is expelled for spray painting penises on 28 cars in a faculty parking lot. And the two filmmakers think he was innocent, so they do this deep investigation and they go really hardcore into details, who's lying, who's telling the truth. Very well cast, these kids really look like kids, they don't look like actors. And, and the satire of the show hews directly to the forensic nature. Exactly. Down to the graphics and the, you know, the actual, the look, the visual look of the camera work and the sit-downs. Yeah. All that vocabulary they, is repurposed to they, good effect. They're doing like reproductions of like, what's the term, like like animated reproductions of a girl giving a boy a hand job on a dock at summer camp, all just to attest to the boy's honesty about other issues, because well, he claims he got a hand job from this For girl, sight so. lines, essentially, yeah. they're, they're picking where various people would have been around the swamp to see right. where the hand job sight lines so, were. Yeah. So, you know, twists and turns, ridiculous, funny, there's a social media element they really play into, like, we get a lot of evidence from what people post online. And then, but as with great satire or parody, they really hew to the format, so it actually serves as a functioning mystery. Like, you totally. sit there wondering, who did it? What's gonna happen next? Um, so it was a big hit, and now it's season two, and season two, they've kind of made it even more meta. The backstory is these two filmmakers that their homemade film went viral, got picked up by Netflix, so now Netflix is paying them to go to another school and solve another crime. So yeah. season two, which just premiered, couple weeks ago, I guess, on Netflix. The plot is they are going to a Catholic private school in the Seattle suburbs, somewhere Seattle in Washington. Suburbs, yeah. And they're investigating an unknown mysterious criminal called the Turd Burglar. And what you're told at the very beginning is, one day at lunch, at school, the lemonade was spiked, and there were suddenly dozens and dozens of students had uncontrollable diarrhea. A laxative, an indus yes. industrial laxative was introduced. Exactly, and to the point where there's like, cell phone video of people like pooping in garbage cans. Yeah, and in the hallway. In the hallway. And then the perpetrator starts revealing himself by Instagram as the turd burglar and teasing people. And then there are other poop crimes, etc. And it's, um, you know, another season and more good reviews. And, and they, they've upped the social media factor. Well, we'll get into what we think of it. I think it's kind of obvious. But uh, Bill, you know, let's start with you. What do you think? of American Vandal. And this show is incredible. This is insane. I mean, talk yeah, about really unheralded. Good. This show is executive produced, I guess, created by- Oh yeah, that's right. We don't know who, I don't know who created it. Who created it? No, a guy named Tony Yacenda. Tony Yacenda. The thing is, is that he, Yacenda. Uh, Yacenda? Y-A-C-E-N-D-A. Okay. He has, uh, I don't know, his track record's thin. As far as I know, there's not, I don't, I don't know if he was a college humor guy, uh, if he came from one of those channels. I forget what his deal is. You know, ostensibly... One of those, just, you mean like those YouTube comedy yeah, channels? Yeah, 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 that's the thing. He's, he's from a non-traditional venue. You know, the, the episodes are actually credited to the in-character in directors, right. Peter and Sam. Who are played by two actors, actors. But it's like yeah. the show is, the conceit is that we're watching a show they made. So the, Well, but the, the end credits, they, they the show end the real credits names are real. Yeah, the yeah. end credits are real. But uh, this guy, Tony Ascenda, took something that was, man, something that we didn't know was ready for satire and made something totally droll out of it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's very just, funny. Just how on point it is. So you're taking the vocabulary of making a murderer, of serial, of anything that is new true crime, that mm -hmm. is the sort of vintage post-2010s, 2015 yeah. type stuff. And it's, the thing is, it's not even like he's poking holes in it. He's just using wow. the vocabulary for points of comedy and to tell his own self-sustained eight-episode, four-hour mystery. Uh, and that's what's kind of like delirious about it is that it has this, all the beats are held, but your, your suspense with the reversals, it all tracks. Yeah. So it's like not only did they have to have a real sense of irony and wit and just, you know, comedy and joke writing and getting characters right, 
you needed to actually lay this thing out so every reversal of fortune, every added wrinkle yeah. has the proper sort of gasworthy um, measure that comes along with it. So they get all the things right. They cast it with mostly unknown actors yeah. for the most part. These, these people really look like high school students. And even though they're saying ridiculous stuff, like they come off as... Yeah. As much as real high school students can. Yeah, the first one was set in, uh, uh, let's say, the California, was it like the... Somewhere in California, yeah. Between Santa Barbara and Los Angeles, yeah. maybe? or so SoCal like somewhere, yeah. Yeah, and the second one is, is set in Seattle. I don't know if it's actually shot on a location, although the, the exteriors do look like it from what I've seen. Um, but they have made a really airtight job. I mean, I heard about this in podcasts, uh, Extra Hot Great podcast had recommended it. Again... There's so much slush coming out of Netflix. It's hard to parse what's good and what's bad. Now, I watched Making a Murder, and I think you did too. I didn't make it all the way through. Okay. I've never been a big true crime person, although there are exceptions. Currently, I'm into um, In the Dark, the American public media podcast true crime series. Mm -hmm. That I, I can't recommend that highly enough, but right. it's a bring down because it's unpleasant cases. But uh, I'm generally not a big fan. So I didn't last through Making a Murder. I just felt like it was the same thing over and over again. Yeah, it is. It winds up being the same thing over and over again. The fact that it's on the same network, you know, Netflix bought both of these, right. something that's parodical yeah, it's funny, for yeah. this thing that was, and, you know, Making the Murder, the, po the point was to exonerate Stephen Avery, which it hasn't done. Right. But it added wrinkles to the case and gave a lot of people grist, you know, for the mill. Once you pick it out that there are these things, these gems, like a, a truly superior TV show like American Vandal, you feel like, uh, oh, I found something, that there is really worth 24-hour, all the time, you know, blitz media deluge uh, TV of everything uh, does actually yield some fruit. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, this is why we're doing it here on vacation. <laughs> we didn't want to, like, bitch and moan about some talentless YouTube star or some <laughs> video game we can't make heads or tails of. We're like, screw it. If we're doing something on vacation, we're having fun. And we're not having to do a lot of prep work. It's something we watched anyway for fun. Yeah, I, I, I think it's terrific. I mean, there's one note I hit all the time in the show, which is just the, the sadness I have over the laziness of so much modern entertainment. And the flip side of that coin is how, how much I appreciate it and value it when something is high effort. And this certainly is. I mean, and I guess if we're gonna if we're gonna compare it to Making a Murderer, you know, Making a Murderer lost my interest because it just felt like the same thing over and over again. This really keeps you on your toes. Uh, I mean, granted, it's fiction, so they're able to engineer it that way. You know, there's always some new twist. The way they parcel out the twists is very, you know, smart. And the last minute of every episode basically has a cliffhanger. Yeah. So it's good storytelling, whatever else it, it has. It has the added advantage of being able to use wry, ironic comedy, right. which is something that a straight series just has to rely on the twists and turns of the cases and how well they can dramatize those. Um, you know, to give some specifics here, like one of the big characters in this season is the star basketball player of the school, Demarcus Tillman, and he is considered uh, a bit of a suspect at some point because... Uh, a female character, the woman who, the young woman who brings these filmmakers over from California and lets them stay in her house when they're in town, uh, she notices DeMarcus using a vending machine and he has a card in his wallet that looks like the turd burglar card he leaves as his, his calling card. So they investigate him and they interview him and he's just, he's a bonehead. He's saying the dump, like they say how he gets off easy, like he doesn't have to take science, he gets to take zoology. So he's like, no, we learn a lot in zoology. Who did, knew that dolphins were mammals? Yeah, did you know dolphins are mammals? And, <laughs> and, and he's, he's a parody of like the entitled like sports hero teenager. I mean, they gloss over the fact that he's a black kid in a school that's mainly white. And they, but whatever, it's, you don't have to deal with racism in every piece of it. That pays off, though. That comes it back. It does? Oh, yeah. All right, yeah. well, good to know. Then I'm, then, then I'm looking forward to that. Um, 
but you know he's a great and the kid they got to play this part is great he's so perfectly clueless and the actor who played dylan the the, the guy who was railroaded in season one jimmy tetro johnny uh, jimmy tetro that guy is i mean he's such a meathead he's like the definition of a dumb meathead he's almost like one of the jackass guys yeah yeah but he's he's acting so it's it's wonderful. It's a yeah. great performance. These kids are great actors, and they look like kids. And then, of course, you have... I really love the social media element. I mean, in some ways, they're over my head, just how these kids live their lives through the lens of social media and how they process things on Instagram and Snapchat. There's a whole sequence in season one where they're investigating evidence from a party. Someone threw a party in their grandmother's house. So they keep referring to it as Nana's party. Yeah, is that Nana's, Nana's house. And they're reconstructing footage of this party from... Everyone who was there, dozens of people, the things they post on social media. All on Instagram. So by yeah. drawing it from a dozen Instagram feeds. From a, from, about, and from a dozen different perspectives. The same, the same scenes are seen from different angles right. because of the crossfire of cameras at Instagram. All they're, the they're drawing the root of one can. It's basically the can of spray paint that they think is used to spray paint the dicks. was yeah. was believed to have been found in a in an equipment shed behind Nana's house yeah. and picked up at that party. So the level of detail... You know, I mean, if this if this were real, these kids would be like filmmaking, investigative, journalistic, detective prodigies. So that's some next level storytelling. Right. I forgot that sequence, but that was a masterpiece. Yeah, absolute masterpiece. Yeah. So this is a fantastic show. And I'd say because I'm not the big making a murderer guy and not a big true crime guy, like I also think it, it, it accomplishes a feat that not all parody does is that you get a lot of it even if you've never seen that crap. I, I think you'd have a lot of fun if you never see it. I think it might be a little opaque to people who are much older and really out of touch with teenagers today. It does a really good job of spoon feeding it to you. Yeah, all right, there's that. But like, imagine you're like our parents' generation. And not even my parents, you know, my parents use, well, they, not much, but they, they have Facebook accounts. But people who are like, my friend Alice Swenson's dad, who lives in the 1950s and probably has never heard of Twitter or Facebook, <laughs> right? He sure. probably doesn't know what social media is. I think of a guy like that, and he's got no sense of humor. Forget the no sense of humor, but I think, like, people of that generation who are so clueless with social media, yeah, yeah. like, they might find it a bit confusing. If you can't, you, you know, you could parse but, out the pieces of mystery and the conventional storytelling of the, of the whodunit, but if you can't parse out the sort of language of youth and the, uh, the conventions of it, of what it's like to be a teenager, I can see it being a little left out yeah. the cold. But, I mean, I find the view of youth to be, feel so much more real than most entertainment that's about teenage characters. So maybe you could say that even a guy like that, he was a teenager once upon a time. And so they're, even though these kids are living in a different world he lives in, they are quote unquote real enough that the universality of the experience could be a way in. So I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm giving it too much credit, but it's so well done. Please state your name and who you are. My name is Dylan Maxwell, and I'm, I don't, I don't know, dude, I'm just Dylan. What do you mean, what do you mean, who am I? That's right. a stupid question. It's okay. Um, uh, now, just look at me and not the camera, please. Dylan, why am I interviewing you? Because everyone thinks I did it. Did what? The dicks. So, Bill, why do you think, I mean, I don't know how big a hit it is. Maybe you have an idea. It's certainly a critical hit, and it made it to season two. So, but why do you think it's popular? Well, let's call it a buzzy hit. Let's call it a critical hit because I think that's correct. Again, no one knows what Netflix numbers are. Let's just put those aside. S simply put, it it does the job and mm -hmm. it does it masterfully. It is. This is two seasons of a show and it has a great track record. It has not let down, not any single episode. So that means it's not a fluke. 
The, right. the creative team knows exactly what they're doing, right. and they have enough heat and steam to keep this thing going through two seasons on Netflix. That's kind of a big deal. Kimmy Schmidt couldn't get that far. Things like that. Other shows faltered. You know, Netflix doesn't have a great track record with continued success. Kimmy Schmidt didn't make it to a second season. No, no, it did. Except the second season wasn't great. I'm oh, saying okay. it lost steam and, and okay. things like that peter out. Now this this show is a success and it's good because it's good and people yeah. like it and people found something that's quality. The cream is rising. End of story. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, I think. I agree. I think, you know, at risk of repeating stuff I said before, I think it has that, it, it, it seems like a real teenage story. And I, I imagine that it will connect with teenagers more than a lot of stuff that's supposedly about teenagers because it feels real, both in the way these kids act and talk and comport themselves and also the way they regard and use and live in social media. And also, I like the bravery of this thing, especially season two, like the turd burglar, the poop crimes, I mean, they do not shy away. Oh, no, I mean, they're gross. How, how much media, you know, media would like be embarrassed to talk about like hot girls taking a dump in a hallway, and they <laughs> that's, don't. That's somebody's thing, by the way. You know that. Right, but but for comedy, there's nothing. No. But but right. for fodder for comedy, for fodder for something that isn't depraved, you know, they, and they just they don't shy away from it. I mean, it's real. Like these are real kids. I mean, that's part of it. It goes for it, and it and it gets it right. So yeah, it's this is this is a positive thing. Consider for a moment the type of person who would spray paint dicks on cars in the staff parking lot. What do they look like? Who do they hang out with? Where do they sit in the cafeteria? What kind of grades do they get? Is this what you're imagining? Probably not. How about her? Or him? Or her? It doesn't seem right. Or are you picturing someone more like this? Yeah, you're not alone. The school board thought so too. Would you have liked this when you were a child? Uh, I think I would have. I dare to think I would like it, but I would like it less because I, I hadn't yet grown that sense of like appreciating the high effort. But I don't know. I, I definitely wouldn't have disliked it. I think that um, I might have seen something a little dry here. I wonder if, if I'm, I'm inclined to say I would have liked it, but I wonder if I could see past the form. You know, that's mm -hmm. uh, almost the, the thing that's a little weird. So you would have been bored by it? You wouldn't have gotten the subtlety, you think? Mm, yeah, I might not have gotten the subtlety. I might not have seen exactly mm. how it was built to work. There are a lot of shows. Like, I, when I was a kid, I didn't know Cheers was a great show because Cheers <laughs> looked like it was for adults. Yeah. When I started watching it, I realized, oh, it's just a good show. I, I just, like Cheers more then than now. Yeah, I did too. I think it's too... I, I look at it now, it's too formulaic. It dated, yeah. It yeah. definitely didn't age that well. What's with all the kids loving Cheers? Exactly. I think I would have liked it enough, but I don't think I could have appreciated it as much as I do now, uh, which, you know, I, started, I just sort of find it really... You know, for all the reasons I like it, just having this appreciation. Also, having seen the source material, mm -hmm. which is a good chance... You know, this is intertextual. When I'm a kid, there's no way I would have seen the source material or understood just the faith and the fidelity that it had uh, in there. It took me a minute to process. It didn't really hit me right away. And then it really hit me. I had to shit. And I looked around me and everyone else had to shit too. All of a sudden, kids aren't making it into the bathroom because our, our bathrooms weren't, weren't designed for that many people. Uh, maybe this gets an end slash A, but is there anything about American Vandal and its success? that is a sign of the apocalypse. No, it's the, quite the opposite, where this is a thing that actually makes Netflix seem like it has use. This is a thing that <laughs> Oh, makes, it's got use, all right. This is a thing that It's has, got use. There is um, something in this show that I'm really uh, wonderfully surprised and, and, and uh, taken aback by, which is it's using the language 
of modern communication effectively. Right. Not making it seem like it's uh, a second language known by the directors, applying something ironically. It's actually using Instagram, it's using uh, social media and texting and everything in a very linear way. It's a native inbound right. thing. Which it's not, look at this crazy social media. It's just exactly. there. It's just there. It's just no, there. I've been waiting for that. I've it's been part waiting, of the stream. I've been waiting for the, the movie or the show to incorporate these things as we know them because people are living in that in real time. Right. And the entertainment we still have is still made by 39-year-old men right. who are not digital natives. Right. And to see something that's incorporating that, like I said, this is all a way of saying, no, it's the anti-apocalypse. This, this fixes so many weird, broken things about, you know, what, the slush of media as we think of it. Yeah. And uh, I, I could really appreciate it. It makes me feel like, all right, Netflix, you know, you just bought yourself another, another six months to a year. Like, I'm going to keep Netflix so long as they keep making <laughs> these things, you know? I agree, except I still have the nagging fear that the more life is lived on social media, the worse off human beings will be and the closer we are to the fiery pits of hell that at some point when social media really does its complete takeover over the human psyche that will be the downfall of man mm -hmm. i have that fear and there's also the idea that i never really engage with instagram so the more instagram becomes the dominant thing the, the more i feel unplugged from everything mm -hmm. right like i'm still on facebook and twitter Right. And I and as as dedicated viewers of the show know, I never figured out Snapchat. Nine one one, what's your emergency? Saint Bernadine Catholic. Yes, ma'am. All of our students. Uh, I don't know how to say. They're all. They're all sick. They're all. They're all pooping. I, I don't know. It happened around lunchtime, and it was just a few students, and then I wanted to die. We had no choice. I mean, most of us just shit our pants right in front of everyone. So Noah, the, the blinding hatred you have convinced for this show, as you said, on a, a rock, a plinth rock high above the Grand Canyon in uh, uh, Arizona. Do you uh, think that your envy of this is based in jealousy? All right. By the way, important to point out, yes, we are in Arizona. Yeah. The third state, I don't get it, has been recorded from. That's true. And it's yeah. history. California, New York, Arizona. We're going to yeah. hit all 50 before We're going to get we, to Alaska. We're going to do it in Skagway soon. The, the Alaska show. Yeah. And we will make a point that every topic ha will have nothing to do with its surroundings. Like, <laughs> it's a non-sequitur. Yeah, non-sequitur travels. Yeah. Well, yeah, like the one misgiving I just said, like I'm jealous that Instagram's taking over because I don't, I don't, I'm not on it. I mean, I'm sort of a little for business, but like I'm not engaged with Instagram. So like the world's passing me by. So like, yeah, it sucks. So there's a part of me that wants to say that. So there is some jealousy. Yeah, sure. I'm jealous that Instagram's taking over. And, and the always jealous of like, I would have loved to have acted on this show when I was a kid and I would love to be writing it now. But, you know, life goes on. There are I, bigger problems. Yeah, I think I, I don't have any envy of it at all. If anything, this is one of the, there's some things I look at and it's like, God damn, I wish I thought of it. Uh, not, not I like, wish I thought of everything. Not only do I think I thought of it, but it's like, I wish I had a piece of it. Yep. This is something that I hit something close by. This is right my wheelhouse. The nice thing about this is that there's not a single second of this thing that I feel like I could have invented myself. It is such an alien language, but it's beautiful to watch <laughs> it done by the correct speakers. Yes. So I just let it wash over me and think, this is in the right hands. These are people who, who have a clear understanding of what what it is they're doing and I appreciate that the, the, the right people found the right subject matter to tell it right so it dispels sort of any negativity I mean I if you're if, if you haven't gotten the idea that we want you to watch this <laughs> I, please watch the first they're season. not giving us money by the way not it's not money. happening but watch the first hour I mean yeah, it's, it's, it's very... each episode is 30 minutes or a little little north, a little but, longer yeah but it's like you can watch the each season can be watched in four hours which is um, which is great really yeah they're eight half hour Dude, episodes. you need more of a life like, you just sit down for four hours and watch uh, TV? I didn't do that. No, I, okay. we would watch two or three episodes at a time, though, for oh, sure. I don't do that. Well, I think that, uh, 
I think we've described this show. We've uh, done it. Just go watch it. Just to watch the damn and thing. And then yeah. suggest things that we can piss and moan about. Guys. And really hate. We'd, uh, and then we'd, we'll go to a bad canyon and talk about we don't that. Get the gang, we don't get the Grand Canyon. What's the guys? worst canyon that people go to in the United States? Tell us what that is. We'll go there and talk about some <laughs> garbage YouTube. We'll talk about Logan. We'll we never really did an episode about Logan Paul. We just talked about him in half the episodes. Yeah. I think we described the space around Logan Paul. So we'll go to like the worst canyon, whatever that is. And then there's probably some canyon in Mississippi. Meteor like, Strike Canyon. <laughs> we went there yesterday. Jesus Christ! And talk well, about twenty bucks. That was a good. It was a good canyon, but the apparatus. Good canyon. It. it wasn't worth it. Um, but we'll go there and talk about Logan. We'll talk about the worst thing. Yeah. We'll anyway, cover yeah. It. So this is this is the we we're concluding the canyon cast. Yeah, canyon cast. Best canyons, worst Best canyons, canyons of America, and everything in between, starting at the Grand. So uh, that's the end of it, guys. Uh, if you want to find past episodes of the show, look on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Email us at noahandbillshow at gmail.com. Twitter is where we make our at scene. At Noah and Bill Show. At Noah and Bill Show. Twitter, at William Scurry. I'm... Uh, I'm yeah, and then, Noah, like Noah said, it is at Noah and Bill Show. At Noah Tarno, at Big Quiz Thing. But you didn't plug your YouTube channel yet. Sorry. Ah, my YouTube you. channel. Don't worry. There's nothing new there. There's nothing to talk about. <laughs> it's fine. I just leave uh, it there as part of the business card. So, uh, yeah, absolutely see this thing. And, uh, guys, join us. We are going to be at the Grand Canyon overnight. And then yeah, come, home come out. Come out, yeah. Come We're out, doing guys. a live tape. <laughs> oh, we, we just did a live taping now. We should have invited people to come watch it. Ah, All our thousands of fans in the, the Grand Canyon area. We were trying to estimate what percentage of the visitors here are American. I'm starting to think it's 50-50. I'm hearing a lot of, I'm hearing the languages of the world here, my friend. Mostly, mostly Russian. A lot of Russian, yeah. Uh, oh, and about me, Noah Tarno. Uh, uh, the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com, corporate and private trivia events nationwide. Nationwide, indeed. I mean, this party sprung out of, uh, I was down here for uh, an event in Chandler, Arizona, and I'm headed to Southern California soon, and Utah, and uh, racking up those frequent flyer miles. So, uh, yes, until next time, everybody, we don't get it. We don't get it. Protection of American Caesar Enterprises 2018.